0: Well, guys, it is, it is great to be with you. If this is your first time here, or maybe you're newer uh, to fellowship, uh, my name's Ryan. I get the honor and privilege of serving as one of the pastors uh, here on staff. And today, uh, we'll be looking at God's Word together. And as we begin, I want to read a section uh, from Luke's Gospel as we begin. And so, from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 4. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as was his custom. And he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor." And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they began to say, is this not Joseph's son? So we begin, would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord Jesus, I think about the day that you spoke those words in the synagogue. And I wonder, did it feel just like another Sabbath day? And yet this declaration that you were making sent shockwaves. Lord, how I pray that as we look at your word today, that you would open our minds and hearts to see, uh, to see you, to see your work within us. And that by your grace, your mercy, your strength, you would be glorified. God, don't let us leave this place without being transformed by your goodness and mercy and love. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you in your name. Amen. Friends, as I was thinking about our time together this morning, I was reminded that the reality is uh, we all come uh, from a variety of different places. I mean, maybe just think about the last few hours that led to our coming to this building. Maybe like me, you woke up this morning and getting the kids ready and out the door wasn't for the faint of heart. In fact, it was a full contact sport to uh, get kids out of bed, to get them dressed, to bring them into this place and frazzled and distracted. You're like, oh my word, how am I going to be focused for this time of worship? Maybe you're here today and you're a college student and the semester is well underway And now as the semester is going on, those first inklings of homesickness are settling in. And you'd give anything just to be home again. Maybe you're here today, and to be quite honest, you don't even know why you're here at all. All you knew was that by being here, you'd keep somebody else happy and potentially off your back. And so you decided, well, let's go to church. And yet the reality is, no matter the difference of what brought us into this place, I am 100% percent convinced of this fact that no one in this room is here accidentally that what we do when we gather together isn't just a coming together where we listen to some words and sing some songs and go about the rest of our life it is a supernatural act that sends shock waves into an eternal realm And yet the reality is, if you've been around the church for a while, the great danger that we run into is it just becomes a little too normal. We go through the routines of the church week in and week out that we miss the beautiful power of what we do when we gather together. And it's why this passage from Luke's gospel is so incredibly important for us this morning. Now, if you're joining us this week, uh, you may not know this, but uh, for the last several months, we've been in a sermon series uh, called uh, Apprenticing the Way of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus lays out for us this beautiful picture, this beautiful reality that he declares for us, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and invites us to radically reorient our life around that reality. But as we come to this week, uh, what we're going to do is do something a little different. We have a tradition here at Fellowship Nashville of pausing in the fall to look at one of our values, to look at our vision and what we really treasure as a church and what we sense God is leading and inviting us into as we look to the season ahead. And this year, we felt led to focus on our value of relationship matters and the power of community. You know, as we've been talking about apprenticing the way of Jesus, one of the things that we simply can't escape is that community was incredibly important to Jesus. In fact, if you look at the life of Jesus, I'm convinced you see a pattern of community that becomes so instructive and helpful for us today. In in short, I would describe that pattern of community in the life of Jesus as the M. The 12, the three, and the one. And for the next four weeks, what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at each of those different spheres and the unique role that they play and talk about how that begins to influence the way that we go about life as a church together. And today we come to the first of those, what we call the M or the multitude. You see, we see Jesus practicing spheres when he gathers together as a member of the nation of Israel, uh, when he takes out his 12 disciples and does life with them in a smaller way, in the three that he selects out from within the 12, and in his own personal relationship with the Father. But when we gather together in a place like this, have you ever stopped to ask the question, what are we doing I mean, is it really just listening to some guy talk uh, for, for a little while and singing a few songs and going about life is usual? Or, or do we do something unique and special when we gather in this place? And I'm convinced we do. You see, the unique and, and significant role of the multitude is that it's here in the multitude that we declare the reality and the presence of the kingdom. In fact, the key idea that I would suggest to you today is that it's here in the multitude following in Jesus' example, we declare the presence and the power of his kingdom when we gather in a space like this. And in order to help us understand that, uh, what I want to do is I want to look at this scene from the life of Jesus and, and look at the way in which he invites us to a powerful example and recognition of what happens when we gather together in this. And I want to begin by suggesting to you this simple reality, that Jesus models for us a life of community. You know, if you look with me there in Luke chapter 4, in verse, eight, or verse 16, we're told, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom. Again, uh, we might be very quick to skip over those words, but Luke is giving us a very significant and important detail. At this point, he's telling us something about the life of Jesus. Jesus valued being a citizen of the member and a member of the nation of Israel day by day, week by week. He would go to the synagogues, he would celebrate the festivals. He recognized that these weren't just some random events, but participating in them said something. And I believe he recognized that it was intrinsically connected to this declaration that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what we find in this scene is that he goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Now friends, there's a number of things that are significant about this. Have you ever thought about the irony of this moment? If Jesus had the custom of going to the synagogue though he himself is God himself, it would be it would seem redundant. I mean, is Jesus going to the synagogue in order to worship himself? No. I think, I think that was part of it. I think Jesus understood that there was a worship of the Father that was taking place in that moment. But I think he also recognized that when they came together in that space, something was happening. In fact, uh, maybe at the most basic level, it's helpful to simply pause and recognize that though God himself, Jesus modeled the significance and importance of worshiping as a faithful member of the family of Israel. Think about that for a second. Jesus understood that when we gather together, we declare something. We say something together. That when we come together as a unified expression of the bride of Christ expressed in a local body, oh, friends, we say something to one another, and to the world. Is it any wonder then that the author of the letter of Hebrews uh, tells us this when he says that we are called not to neglect the meeting together as is the habit of some, but rather we are to encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, as, uh, as, as we look at this reality and the example of Jesus, I want to I kind of talk about um, maybe two objections to gathering in the multitude that have come into our society, especially post-COVID. I think the first is this. Why in the world would I go to church if I could just watch church online? And friends, please don't get me wrong. I don't want to get legalistic about this. I, I think there are healthy and appropriate ways to participate in an online format. It, it, it's... it's in, in some ways, the Diet Coke of church, like it, it, it'll fill you in now and again, but uh, the life of the church is lived out in community and in relationship. It's when we do life with one another, it's when we gather together that we have the opportunity to really uh, experience what it means to express the love of God in and through one another. You know, one of, the, one of the terms that we often use to describe church is what? I mean, what do we often call this time that we gather together to do? We call it a worship service. But I think that begs the question, a service to whom? Is the worship service primarily about, the, you know, me getting my own spiritual batteries recharged? Is the worship service primarily about uh, what's suitable and helpful for me? Or is this a recognition that when we gather together to worship... We both say something to God and we say something to the world as we gather together in a heart of unity and love together. Here's the second thing. I think we will also uh, hear people say, well, wait a second, wait a second. The reason why I don't gather together in the multitude is because the church is full of broken people. And what I want to lovingly say in that moment is, great, there's always room for one more because the reality is yes the church is full of broken people we're all broken and yet what I what I find so powerfully ironic in this verse did you notice what Jesus did he himself goes and participates and reads in the synagogue that day and do you know how the story ends they reject Jesus and yet he still knew that the proclamation of his word, the proclamation of this reality of the kingdom was so powerful and so significant that it still ought to be made. And friends, I think one of the great dangers that we can run into in the church is that we can come into a place where we either see the brokenness of people or the routine of church, that we miss out on the fact of what it is that we're doing when we gather together. And it's why this proclamation that Jesus makes is so incredibly powerful. This week, I just I sat in awe of this. Because Jesus models for us the power of the multitude to declare. Let me show you what I mean. In verse 17, we're told that he was given the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he unrolls the scroll, and he finds the place where it's written. And what goes on here is actually a quotation from the book of Isaiah, from Isaiah chapter 61. Listen to this way in which Jesus understood his ministry and what he was doing in the world. That the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and to the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If you read the words of the prophet Isaiah in its initial context, you'll recognize that Isaiah rightly understood that he had come to declare a message of God's deliverance in transformation. The promise of this year of the Lord, this routine in the nation of Israel, when debts would be forgiven, when the poor would, uh, would be restored, when the prisoner would be released, the, this recognition that because God was in the midst of his people, our relationships with one another were radically transformed and changed. And Jesus does the most amazing thing. He reads this passage. And then did you catch what he says next? Today. What Isaiah talked about? It's being fulfilled in your midst. Like for me, this is a biblical mic drop, okay? Jesus is like, oh yeah, what Isaiah was talking about. That's what's happening to you right here, right now. That God is at work among the people of Israel, restoring and declaring, announcing a message of God's transformation among his people. And if that were true so many years ago, how much more is that true of the bride of Christ in whom the spirit of the resurrected Christ dwells? Friends, do you realize that? That what we do when we gather together isn't just some hapless uh, singing of songs. It isn't just a message with you know, some guy up front talking, but it is us as the bride of Christ coming together and in a unified voice declaring the reality that the truest thing about the world around us is not the broken mess of a, of a world adrift, but the faithfulness of a God who proclaims the kingdom of heaven is at hand and the world experiences that love that grace that power as we gather together in one voice and declare that reality you know one of the things that um i simply can't escape is that, as the bride of christ i believe that one of the greatest expressions that we have of the existence and the presence of God in our lives is the love and the unity that is shared in his body. That the greatest evangelistic tool that we will ever offer the world isn't some well-crafted idea or thought, but the faithfulness of people who are so convinced of the love of God that it transforms every relationship in their journey. Part of what we do when we gather together in this space is we declare in one voice, in unity, that Jesus Christ is risen and his resurrection power is the truest thing about us. In fact, let me suggest this to you, that the unique role that this multitude, what we do when we gather together on Sunday, plays over and against every other sphere of community is that it's here that we declare in unity the presence and the power of Christ. Can I tell you, this week as I was preparing this message, it started to mess with me even in how I think about preaching. I mean, what's the goal of teaching? It's the goal of teaching to have a good sermon illustration. Is the role of teaching uh, to um, simply have people leave with more knowledge and information, as helpful as that may be? Friends, the role of preaching is to declare the presence of the resurrected Christ who is alive and active in our midst. Friends, that changes everything. And this week, what I found myself praying for us as a church is that Jesus would lead us to a deeper space just as he did those many years ago that the people marveled, that we would marvel at the power and the work of God in our midst. Now, friends, having said that, I want to pause for a second because as powerful and as significant as the multitude is in how we gather and declare the worship of God, can I suggest to you, it's not the everything of community. In fact, I'm convinced that if, if our participation in the life of the body of Christ is simply coming once a week on Sunday and then going back and living life, uh, friends, we'd be missing something. And that's where these other spheres of community uh, kick in. Fast forward a little bit to next week as we talk about the 12. The unique role of the 12 is that it's in the context of those relationships that we are drawn into a deeper spla- space of relationship. With Jesus, And it's why here at Fellowship Nashville, we place a high value on our city groups. Again, I want to I pause here because it's in those city groups that we find the context to apply and live out what it is that we've learned in the other spaces. In fact, I want to challenge you that if you're not actively a part of a city group, man, please take the step of doing that because um, in a sense, what we do here is the theory it's in the 12th uh, that you'll find the lab to live out what it is that we talk about over and against the challenges of doing life with other people that uh, you're sharing in the highs and the lows that we find the freedom and the joy of what it means to walk with Christ together. And so I just, I challenge you that if uh, you uh, have not yet taken the step of doing a city group, don't, don't let today pass without taking that step. In fact, you know, I'm even gonna do this by a show of hands Um, who here is currently in a city group? Man, we are, yeah. And I'll tell you, as I look around the room and I see those hands that are raised, I know the stories of lives that have been impacted through that. And I encourage you, encourage you, take that step. All right. uh, With that, let me me move on to a third way. And I want to pivot a little bit here. Because I want to show you the power that practice and community, that declaring in this multitude can really have. The impact of the way in which Jesus modeled uh, this way of living community began to transform the early church. And I want to do that by looking at a, a very well-known passage. It's found in Acts chapter 2. It's, it's one of the descriptions of the early church. And we often study this passage from the angle of looking at the things that the early church did. I want to, I want to do something a little different. I want to look at this passage from the impacts that that work of the early church resulted in. So let's read this passage from Acts chapter 2. And here's what we're told. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles' Real quick, while we have this slide up, uh, I'm veering from my notes a little bit. I, w- I want to show you something that caught my attention this week. Notice uh, that the, this early church attended temple together. There was a recognition that there was something significant in, in doing life together as members of the nation of Israel. But, but I, want you to, I want you to notice the impacts that practicing this kind of unity and relationship had on their lives. Number one. I want to suggest to you that there was spiritual vitality. I mean, I I love this. And there was a sense of awe that grew among the people. You know, as I I read that this week, uh, what just really caught my attention is when was the last time I came to church with a sense of awe? When was the last time I came to worship with a sense of awe? Or is it just the routine of, oh, this is what we do? We're going to go through our thing, we're going to get it done, and we're going to go to lunch afterwards. Or do I recognize that when I walk with others, I stand in the presence of another who bears the image of Christ and as we, as those who are called to this expression of the local body, gather together, something is happening that is so beautiful and powerful that it makes the forces of darkness tremble. And I found myself praying this week, God, deepen our sense of awe again at the power of your work and love and mercy in our lives. I suggest to you a second thing that I see in this text. Number two, that there was unity among the people. I mean, unity that caused the world to look on and say, what in the world is that about? I mean, unity that led the people to give and live in such a way that was so outside the norm of the world around them. And as we begin to live and, and carry out the unity of the bride of Christ as we As we come together, friends, what a powerful invitation, an example to live out in the world around us. And ultimately, this resulted in a third impact, and I love this. And the Lord was adding to their midst, day by day, those who were being saved. The world was literally changed. As the people of God came together in community. I mean, again, you guys know this, but Jesus himself told us, how will the world know that we are of him? By our what? By our love. The world will know that we're from him uh, by our love. I mean, as wonderful as this is, the world won't know that we're his because of the building. Though what an incredible gift he's given us. The world won't know uh, that we're his because Brett's really awesome on the guitar. It's amazing as, and awesome as Brett is. The world won't know that he is because I or Mark preach a really good sermon. But the world will know that we are his by our love. By our love. And what we do when we gather together is we make a statement to the world that the resurrected Christ is risen in power and love, and he is filling his people. And as we come together, we go into this world to declare with one voice, Christ is risen. Amen? and ultimately then i think the question that this passage leaves us with is simply this how can i come to the multitude in a sense of awe and unity and declare the power of the resurrected christ i mean friends just earlier i mean there were a couple moments in our in our worship service that i just i want to dial back to because they were so incredibly profound to me um number one we just sung that song, Great Are You, Lord. Great Are You, Lord. I mean, again, we know this to be true, right? We know in principle, yes, God's awesome. But when we sing those songs, is it, mm, Great Are You, Lord? Yeah. Oh, man, by the way, football's coming up later today. And woo. <laughs> or is it, God, you are awesome. The other moment that caught my attention was that beautiful moment when we had the opportunity to celebrate Simpson and Charlie. You know that as we prayed over them, we as a unified body share a spiritual responsibility to them and to one another in this body. That when we come together in unity and serve one another, by the way, that isn't just for the adults in this room. It's for the kids and the teens as well. That when we come together in one voice and unify and declare the resurrection power of Christ, we point one another to a deeper reality. It's the beauty and the gift that we've been given as the bride of Christ. And how I pray today that as we once again continue to gather in this multitude, even as we continue this service by singing one final song, that this isn't just some routine, it isn't just uh, some uh, step that we cross off the list of today's requirements, but it is a declaration from our heart and our soul, enabled by the power of the Spirit within to declare the reality of the resurrected Christ. I'm going to invite Brett and the worship team to come back up. You know, as we close today, um, this song that has just been in my heart and mind all week as I've been prepping is a very well-known one to many of you, I'm sure. It's Be Thou My Vision. And what would it look like if that truly became the prayer of our hearts? God, be thou my vision shape what I do when I gather together in this multitude. Help me to lend my voice to this declaration, this reality, that Christ is risen and it changes everything. Friends, this is no mere gathering. If God enables, the, or in, sorry, not enables, if God inhabits the prayers of his people, we recognize that he's here he's here and he invites us to join with one voice in the declaration of his presence and power and so may we hear that call may we hear that invitation would you join me in prayer lord how i pray that you would deliver us in our worship in our routine of doing community or church from ever talking about you behind your back of ever talking about you as if you're some distant and removed person or entity rather than the one who is at the center of our lives and of our gathering and of our church Oh, Father, thank you that you have chosen to love us from before the foundations of the earth. Jesus, thank you that you gave your life to redeem each life here. And Spirit, thank you that you are alive in your bride today to declare the truth of the resurrected Christ. Oh, God, deepen in us a sense of awe and wonder at the declaration that you have put in our hearts and our lives, that you are worthy, you are here, and you are transforming to the glory of your name we pray. Amen. Let me invite you to stand and sing with us.